Strategic Healthcare Partners, founded by principals John Crew and Mike Scribner, operates from offices in Savannah and Atlanta. Our diverse team prioritizes clients, ensuring we fully understand their needs. As your business partner, we are an extension of your professional identity. SHP tailors services to your individual needs, offering flexible pricing structures. From IPA management to financial analysis, we're here to empower your organization. Visit shpllc.com for details. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vital Conversations with SHP. I am your host, Aaron Higgins. Today is our first full-length news episode. As a reminder, we've changed up the format a little bit to allow for deeper and more meaningful conversations. In today's episode, Jason and I talk about how healthcare debt has decreased, that Mark Cuban's low-cost drug pharmacy could save billions of dollars, and that the FTC may be pouring cold water on some of the retailers entering the healthcare space. And finally, how chat, GTP, and AI aren't a flashy news headline, but how this emerging tech may help our providers with their patient load. Are you ready for this vital conversation? Let's get started. Well, hey there, Jason, and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Aaron. Good morning. How are you? You know, uh, getting over a little bit of COVID, so apologies if my voice sounds a little bit different, uh, but we're we're back in the seat again and uh, ready to kick off uh, season two. Uh, all last week, we had uh, three episodes uh, to kick off season two. So uh, this episode's going to be a little bit different than the others. Uh, just a reminder for our listening audience. We're doing it so it's interviews one week and then uh, news and headlines the next week and then back to interviews. So be sure to go to our website, shpllc.com slash podcast. Um, there's a listener survey there. We would love for you to fill that out. Let us know what you think about this format change or what else we can do. So Jason, since we have news and, and we have headlines, I figured let's let's talk about a couple of things that have recently come across the, the news wires that I think our listeners would really love to to hear more about. You're right. Lots of activity. What's caught your attention lately? Well, I got a couple of things. The The first one, and we've touched on it briefly in prior episodes, uh, is Mark Cuban's pharmacy. And then this one just kind of piqued my interest. So it, in case you don't know, Mark Cuban uh, founded or bought a company called Cost Plus Drug Company. To be honest, I haven't really looked too far into how involved was Mark Cuban, but his big thing is is bringing common drugs to the masses cheaply um, and safely, of course, and uh, lowering the cost of healthcare drug uh, overall. And so someone did a study. It was Vanderbilt University Medical Center, and they looked at 2020's Medicare Part D expenses and figured if all of the meds that were uh, filled under a uh, under the urology drugs, so nine of the most popular u- urology drugs would have saved 1.2 billion dollars in 2020 alone. So th- this is huge that one company delivering just nine meds would have presented almost 1.3 billion dollars in savings. 
in a calendar year. So this is really impressive and, and really hopeful. We, we, we hear that a lot, right? The whole, let's control the cost of healthcare. Well, and it's, you know, it's a, a young company, if you will, already making a big splash, but in a, an area of healthcare that we all know and we've talked about before has lots of chronic related uh, conditions, symptoms related to it, uh, an aging population. And here we are taking one year worth of data and showing the amount of savings and the Medicare trust fund. There's just a lot there. That's, that's very impressive. And I'd, I'll be curious if they uh, expanded that to look at other you know, chronic issues or specialty type um, pharmaceuticals to see what savings exist in cardiology, for example. Right. I mean, just so many opportunities there. Yeah, definitely. And, and you, you point to cardiology. I think that is probably one of the most uh, drug heavy specialties uh, in, in terms of the amount of people taking, whether it be cholesterol medication or uh, anything for blood pressure, like uh, that's the number one prescribed drugs out there are cardiology related drugs. So excellent point. Uh, so Jason, I, I know we were talking just before we clicked record here. You, you kind of have a follow-up from Thursday's episode. Yeah, if uh, you folks listened to last week's, you know, Aaron and I have had a theme over the last few to several months on the retail space and really just odd bed partners, if you will, right? Whether it's retailers coming together, but in particular, tech, whether it's been Best Buy on the brick and mortar front or, of course, Amazon. So uh, just earlier this month, here we are in February 2023, FTC launched an investigation. Uh, into the Amazon acquisition of uh, One Medical. Uh, I believe actually it, the investigation started uh, somewhat last fall, uh, but has become more prominent out there. I think it was Wall Street Journal reporting this earlier this month. And if, if you recall, there was a, it was a plain acquisition of about $4 billion, right? And so the, the crux of it basically is big tech getting involved in healthcare in the the data sharing intricacies that come between that. Now, obviously, the FTC has been involved with mergers of large health systems and, and the prominence that that has taken. But now we're seeing, obviously, with a lot of big tech involvement. And so uh, it's interesting to see that you know, if, if the deal does not go through, nearly $200 million will be owed to one medical. So it's even just by way of the investigation, if it does not go through, that's pretty heavy financial uh, transaction there, but we're seeing, of course, you've got uh, United Health Group involved. You've got um, CVS's uh, potential acquisition of Signify Health, right? And then uh, recently, we've had some good RX sharing data uh, issues recently, and so there's a lot to be said that's going on. We've seen a huge trend, lots of dollars. I think we've talked about recently in the you know, retail, big tech, merger into healthcare space. But now the question is, are we going to see a dramatic slowdown on that while these FTC actions take place? Uh, it's it's worthy to make sure we dot our I's and cross our T's before we just go into this disruption, which I know you and I are both a fan of, but it's it definitely shined a light on what was a just fast moving trend of big dollars having big tech and healthcare come together. 
And that really caught my effect. So it's going to take a lot of time, uh, but I think the Amazon One Medical one is one to keep your eye out on. There's going to be lots of FTC movement taking place. So you'll probably see lots of that in the headlines, I, I would think, in 23. You know, kind of going back to, again, another conversation we had before we clicked or record is regulation in the space is really important for patient safety. And I think pumping the brakes just a little bit to make sure that healthcare delivery isn't harmed is really important. So it, it'll be interesting to see it, if this scares anybody away. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to slow things down too much. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's some good insight into it shouldn't slow it down with the bigger entities like we're talking about here. The potential impact could be behind the smaller type mergers. And the reason being, I mentioned the $195 million payout if things don't go through, that kind of legal fee uh, will decimate the smaller firms and smaller mergers, but it's just a drop in the bucket, of course, for the ones we're talking about here. So you're right. I I, I too, I agree. I think the bigger organizations that are, you know, in the multi Bs of these transactions versus the smaller mergers, probably a little slowdown there in particular, these next couple of years, you know, the current FTC chair, believe wrote a legal paper five, six years ago about antitrust cases against Amazon. And so now she's FTC chair, there's lots of focus there. So yeah, I think a slowdown in the smaller markets, but in the bigger markets, probably we'll still keep seeing the marriages take place. Okay. Well, speaking of big tech, uh, let, let's talk about something that's grabbed all the headlines lately and potentially even written some of them, but that's chat GTP. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of excited to talk about this. So this, this has dominated the headlines. If you haven't gone into chat GTP, uh, or you're not familiar with it, which I, I would like to think most of our listeners have, have at least read something about it. It's, it's an AI chatbot and we've had chatbots since the nineties, you know, but they've never really been that smart. Uh, what makes chat GTP special is that it's a learning chatbot. And they trained it on all this data, uh, circa 2021. So it's a little out of date and it's, it's intelligent. It is, it's smart. It can carry on a conversation with you and feels very real. Um, I've, I've played around with it a little bit, um, just kind of surface level. Hey, write a poem about a squirrel and, and <laughs> that sort of thing. But. Chat GTP and, and other chat tools or AIs like it uh, have a lot of interest from big tech. Uh, you know, most notably, Microsoft has invested billions of dollars into Chat GTP's parent company, OpenAI, and Google just announced uh, investment into another very similar platform. So that's kind of led a lot of people to go, well, what does this mean for healthcare? And I, I think this is important because are, are we near that singularity? Are, are we near that point where decisions and information and learning is going to be done by an algorithm? And I got to say, I think we are pretty dang close to that. Uh, and, and primarily in, in the healthcare world, uh, one of the uses of ChatGDP that I think could be most useful 
would be in a HIPAA compliant setting, of course, to unleash the algorithm into a patient's record. And from there, be able to pull trends and look at the whole health in a unique way and present that information to a clinician to help with diagnoses, whether it be an, an existing condition or even forecasting potential conditions. I, I think that's the sort of thing that we're looking at with tools like ChatGTP. Of course, there's a lot of concerns about that, that this is going to make for lazy clinicians that will overly rely on algorithms and ignoring patients. So I, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about this and, and let's maybe unpack this a bit more. What's, what's your thoughts on AI in healthcare and specifically around a tool like ChatGTP? When I started to think about this as ChatGPT became more prominent, was exactly to your latter point in that at first you're thinking, okay, does it get involved somehow with transcription and parlaying that into more accurate coding? Uh, but then to me, it's all about where pop health platforms were trying to get to a few years ago, in particular on the care coordination front. You know, and trying to get more proactive in your outreach. You know, we see ACOs quite a bit emphasizing outreach, proactive outreach in particular, on annual wellness visits. And so I know it's kind of an elementary version of where AI could take things, but if we're trying to become preventive care and not reentive care oriented as a, as a society, then obviously you need some AI interaction involved. The AI, to me, this component's got to sit on top of the plethora of data that sits in a you know, prominent pop health type of database or platform. And then having something like this sit on top of it that can extrapolate all that data and then current input by said provider and say, okay, based on all this, we can better, you know, again, extrapolate what that person, that individual type of needs may be based on all this information now, including the AI component. And so I feel like it's an add-on or maybe a supplement, probably, if you will, or, you know, in software, you tend to use, what's an extra module? Well, to me, I can envision as being like a, an extra module on top of the more prominent pop health platforms that take it from being reporting-based to a little bit more, again, proactive, preventive-based care because of the data that's being extrapolated with the AI component. So, but you're right. I feel like we're, we're at the infancy. We should kind of slow it down a little bit, study it. And where do we put kind of walls around it? If you don't put walls around it at first, you're going to kind of be reactive later on thinking, well, crap, the toothpaste is out of the container now. How do we put it back in? Right. That's my only concern with something like this that's so in its infancy, you know, that can have so much power, if you will, is how you can sort of, I hate to say control it, but monitor it at the beginning. But man, you're right, Aaron. I think to your last point, there's just a ton of benefit that could be had when you marry this AI component with pop health data. Yeah. I, I also think too, that this could be used to help prevent burnout in clinicians. Uh, and, and, and let me explain that a little bit more. We all know our doctors are overworked. All of our clinicians are overworked. There are far more retiring than entering the workforce. And, and yet healthcare has never been more of a need. 
And I, I think tools like ChatGTP, and, and we pick on ChatGTP because it, it's it's seemingly the most robust AI tool that exists out there right now. But you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank AI tool, I think can help clinicians. I, I, I'm right with you. I, I see it as an add-on, but I also see it as a way of helping doctors and clinicians stay on top of their workloads, um, helping to highlight and, and perhaps uh, catch things that otherwise may have been missed because of the doctor's workload. So I, I, I see a tool like this, a, an AI learning module who can learn everything there is to know about a patient again in a HIPAA compliant way as, as a value add to healthcare and will never replace a clinician. And, you know, I, I, I guess maybe famous last words will never replace a clinician, but you know, WebMD didn't replace clinicians. Um, you know, Wikipedia hasn't replaced clinicians. I, I don't think chat GTP will either. Um, but I think it's going to certainly help them at least in, in regards to their overall workload. That's, that's a great point. You know, you and I talked about that. I think some in season one, as far as, uh, some of the you know barriers in healthcare and, and particular staffing. And we saw all the reports, physicians, nurses, med levels across psychiatrists. I recall that during one of our new segments um, that caught my attention across the board, staff shortages. Just imagine how burned out all these folks are, right? right. So you're exactly right. Instead of just looking at it as a, a as a data and AI component, look at it as, as a, yeah, I love the word supplement issues and barriers that you've got in your industry. Mm-hmm. We know we have severe issues with staffing today. And that's only going to get worse. So yeah, great point. It's just another tool in the toolbox to help out with staffing as well. I didn't think about yeah. that. Okay, I know we're running up on time here. What's what's uh, your final article there, Jason? Yeah, tell you what, this will be a brief one. Um, caught my attention. I, I try to keep up with the various you know topics around medical debt, for example. To me, that's just a a, a devastating universal sort of issue we have that we don't ask for, we don't sign up for it, right? It just, unfortunately, it happens to quite a bit of us. And so a recent study came out that showed um, from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau uh, just this week, actually, that the number of people with medical debt on their credit reports fell by 18% just between 2020 and 2022. I just think that's just so significant a number um, that we shouldn't make light of it. And, and what I like about the article uh, presented in Modern Healthcare is is the reasons why, of course, and it, it varies over time, right? You've got uh, more folks via the expansion of uh, the Affordable Care Act, right? You had 4 million plus folks find some form of health insurance. So there you go. You had the uh, uh, COVID relief funding that helped wipe out by itself. Just over a billion dollars worth of medical debt. Uh, there's there's other ways that they're trying to include in terms of uh, credit rating agencies and the, the length of time in which they uh, report on medical debt to make it a little bit more uh, friendly to patients in, in terms of when they have to report that debt. And, and it even dives into, okay, well, what took place leading up to 2020 I mean, we've got obviously you know, unemployment issues, inflation issues, um, but you still saw this nice slowdown 
and medical debt uh, even prior to. And so you saw some um, positive trends even from 2018 to 2020 when this study took place. And so I'll be really interested, okay, well, what took place in 2018, 2019 that wasn't related to a lot of the COVID relief funding, uh, which pointed out, you know, towns like Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Chicago, et cetera, took advantage of to help pay down some of these, uh, those folks with medical debt. But I think this is a great positive trend um, that I hope we can keep monitoring and helping folks out there. There's a lot going out there now in terms of medical relief agencies helping folks. So. Uh, just wanted to bring that up. I think that's a positive thing. I wanted to end the new segment on, and hopefully there's more of that to come. Yeah, that that is really positive. I'm happy to hear that. So, yeah, that's all I had for this week's uh, new segment. Um, again, I think it was really positive. I, I hope folks that are listening, again, are appreciating the, the new segment, new segment and format that we're following. And as Aaron mentioned at the beginning, please visit the shpllc.com site. We've got a podcast survey there along with the recordings. We want to hear from you with regards to content and format. So please voice your input and we'll be sure to accommodate. Yeah. And just a reminder, next week we will have a wonderful interview with an awesome guest. I am absolutely sure. And then the week after that, we'll be back to uh, talk about the latest headlines again. So everyone, thank you for listening and have a great day. You've been listening to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vital Conversations with SHP, a production of Strategic Healthcare Partners. For more information about our podcast, including back episodes, show notes, transcripts, and more, visit our website at shpllc.com slash podcasts. And I know you've heard it before, but please consider rating our podcast in your favorite podcast app. It helps make others aware of the show. And our podcast wouldn't be possible without our wonderful team of folks. Editing and production assistance by Nyla Weave and myself, Aaron Higgins. And your episode hosts are Aaron Higgins and myself, Jason Crosby. Our social media coordinator is Jeremy Miller. Our executive producers are also our principals, Mike Scribner and John Crew. For more from SHP, consider following us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And as always, thank you for listening and have a great, wonderful day. Analytics. Lacking the tandem of actionable reporting with expert analysis? Not confident in the knowledge of your reporting system? SHP's expert analysts transform data from your EMR system into actionable insights. Understand your facility's performance, control outcomes, and enhance patient experience. As payment models shift to value-based care, our guidance can improve your bottom line. Visit shpllc.com for details. 